Well, greetings, everybody. Once again, welcome to the Rec Poker Podcast. I am your host, Steve Fredland, and delighted to bring to you today another conversation that I had with a number of recreational players a couple of weeks ago. Uh, here we were specifically talking about how do you maximize value. And so I think a lot of the beginning players especially will enjoy this conversation as we talk about situations where maybe we leave value on the table. Uh, and, and those can be the differences between making a deep run and just uh, barely cashing or not cashing at all. And so uh, over the long run, those things add up. And so I think you'll enjoy that conversation. Before we get into that, just want to give a really quick shout out to the Free Poker Network, who is our sponsor for the Rec Poker Podcast. It's a really cool concept where you can go and play in a bar. Uh, a lot of these bars run multiple uh, nights, multiple tournaments each week. And you can, uh, based on how you do, you can collect points, and then those points can get you into the regional tournament, which, which can get you into the state tournament, and ultimately get you to Las Vegas, where you can play to actually play in the World Series of Poker and for other cool prizes. And at the end of the day, this is a free tournament. You can play each week for free. Uh, a great way to meet people, a great way to support the local bars in your area, and also a great way to work on your game. So check them out. Uh, Pete Bushy, Brooke Leiter, a really good crew there, and I think you'll enjoy being part of that. A lot of the uh, the relationships that I've built in poker started with playing in Free Poker Network and then grew from there. So I credit them for uh, giving me an opportunity to play without uh, hurting my bankroll as I was learning the game. Uh, and also I want to give a quick promo for All In For Africa 6, which is coming up April 1st. Uh, this benefits the Against Malaria Foundation. And uh, we've raised in our first five about $50,000 for the Against Malaria Foundation and for clean water projects in Rwanda and East Africa. And so I encourage you to check that out. Uh, great prizes. Uh, we're going to have like at least 40 bounties, some of them with uh, cash prizes at as much as $200 or more. It's a $125 buy-in. There are optional rebuys and add-ons for $60 bucks each. Go to the Canterbury website and get more information on All In For Africa 6. Would love to see you there. And if I see you, mention that you listen to the Rec Poker Podcast. That would be very encouraging. So with that uh, intro, why don't we uh, listen in on the conversation we had about maximizing value. So today, um, talking about maximizing value, value in our hands so we've talked about all these weird different situations before talked about some other concepts but the issue today is we've got a made hand how do we extract as much value as we can how do we balance that with you know fear <laughs> you know in, in a large regard of, of being you know re-raised or betting into something huge or whatever so so i guess the the first question i had for the group and thanks you all for being here publicly um First question I have is, what are some of those situations where we feel like we maybe left value on the table? You know, you, you leave a tournament or whatever and you think, I just didn't, I didn't maximize that situation very well. What are some of those, whether it's specific or just kind of general terms, what are some of those things where you guys have thought that? I've, I've definitely had a number of occasions where I've done that, where I've had a big hand and I just bet the hell out of it. <laughs> And then I blow everybody off the hand. And it's yeah. like, what am I doing? What, who, I, I should be, what you need to do is you need to think about who's going to call and with what. Okay, so now you should, instead of just saying, I got a big hand, I'm going to bet. You got to say, I've got a big hand. What can somebody else call me with? Mm -hmm. And then put that range out there and try to figure that out. And then size your bet accordingly. 
And I, I'd never do that. I just, I get the big hand. Because of the emotion? I go crazy. <laughs> I, go, ah. <laughs> I think another thing you got to do is be consistent all the time. So it doesn't matter what, you know, where you start. You got to start consistent and follow through consistent. If you do only do your whatever it is, you know, half, half pot. a pot bed yeah, yeah. after, then then stay with that. Until you kind of see, you know, if you, if you think you got to get somebody off because he's going for a river bed, you know, then you got to do whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my problem is probably the opposite. <laughs> so, being go on. So what do you mean? Yeah, being what do you mean that slow playing it too much or yeah, playing it. You know, like I should rhythmically, and oh, then the you know, getting hit on the Turner or the River by somebody just staying in. You know the way people play. So, so do you end up do you end up feeling afterwards like that was a bad play or just you were just unlucky? You were trying to maximize value. Yeah, I mean, unlucky, yeah, or... I guess you got to just think it's unlucky because you should play. Try to play it correctly mm-hmm. throughout the tournament. Every now and then, you know, there's times where you do get the beat like that at the end. You know, what are you going to do about it? Right. Could you have done something? Oh, hopefully, but, <laughs> but you know, it's, a, it's that's probably my most. The whole trade-off between being results-oriented and what was the right play sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Anything else? Any other? A lot of it depends on, like, the board texture, too. Because, yeah. say we have an over-pair on the board, but the the board is really connected, um, you know, two to a suit, three to a suit, or two to a straight, etc. those types of hands. Um, I think you have to approach it a little bit differently. You have to try and get those draws out of there, but at the same time, you don't want to just <laughs> shove all your chips in, scoop the pot there, but maybe it is better in that scenario. And then kind of watch how the next cards come out. Say it is a connected board, but then the turn is the deuce of clubs, you know, mm-hmm. something that doesn't affect anything, then you should f- still feel good. And at that point, do you try and push them off the hand or do you try and keep them in? That's the question, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I always struggle with. Yeah. I think that's always a question that I look back on. And I, that I, When I'm on my A game, I'm asking this question, but <laughs> rarely am I on my A game. But if the question is, what do I want them to do here? Like, what am I, if, if I bet, do I want them to fold or do I want them to call? Mm-hmm. That's the question I should be asking. Like, I did the same thing like you, Rob, where, man, I had, like, ace-queen of hearts in the fucking, like, queen-something-something with two hearts. And I just shoved. <laughs> like, what am I doing? I really I, I really wanted her to be the full. It was against, for you were in that hand, actually, the one, it was a big hand, whatever. But I was like, what am I doing? Like, if I thought that was the best play, then that's fine. But I hadn't really thought about it. I just, like, well, big hand, and I'm scared of Brian, and I'm just going to shove. You know? Like, well, really, I want, I got that board so locked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so you know, I should be asking. You know, if if I say, well, I actually want people to call, then what's the maximum I could bet that'll get the call? You know? exactly. Or do you try and get other people to bet? Yeah. Well, well I mean, yeah. One of the things, if it's yeah. if it's a really connected board and you see there's straight draws and flush draws out there, you've got let's say top two pair. You get down to the river, all of the draws miss. Mm-hmm. And in that situation, a lot of times I'll check for value. Right. Because oh, I'm good. trying to induce the bluff. Exactly. They missed all of their draws. The only way they can uh, make any money off of this is to bet at it. Or they're going to think I missed a draw and then maybe bet something that's weaker than the hand I have. Mm-hmm. So I was going to say, you got to read the people too, right? Because mm-hmm. there could be a super aggressive person that's in with you. Let him, like you said, maybe check at the end if it doesn't hit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did that yesterday on qualifiers. and want a huge pot. Mm-hmm. But... You know, because you know they're aggressive. You know they're probably going to bet, and they probably don't have. So, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they're checking for value, right? That sounds like an oxymoron, but that's interesting. It's absolutely, absolutely oh. true, though. Absolutely huh. true. Because I had, I had in one of the uh, MSPTs up at Grand Casino, mm-hmm. I, had, I ended up turning a full house. Now, I bet the flop because I had a set. Mm-hmm. The board pair, now I got a full house. I bet the turn. And then I come out betting, and people are calling me, and I come out betting the river. What am I expecting them to call me with? I got this locked up. I mean, there's right. nobody can have a better hand unless they happen to have pocket sevens. Right. And and I bet it out again, and it, like half pot or whatever it was. But sometimes you. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it works. Sometimes yeah. it doesn't. Right. right. But at the same time, right. what John exactly. just said is very very true. If I had checked this guy, I mean, he went into the tank forever before he folded, and that tells me that he had at least two pair. You know, maybe he had an eight. There was an ace on the board, so he might have had an ace with mm-hmm. a pair of sevens. And he went in the tank forever wondering what I had, and then he finally folded. Had I checked and showed weakness, he could have very easily come out with a bet. And then I jam over the top of him, and I, I take, I get more chips. I get more yeah, value. Yeah, yeah, it's tough and because... I miss that value. Because maybe, because, I mean, but if you, you know, there's nothing worse than, you know, you have a big hand, you... Check the turn they check. You check the river they well, check. The thing is, if you got pocket aces, you think, well, you know. Yeah, but would, would they have called your bet anyway? Well, that's the question, though. What do they call with? But but they might have, you know, an overpair that they see that board and they're just like, I'm just going to check this down because yeah, I'm scared. That. But mean, they might have called a bet. You're saying on the river what you're talking about. I usually could keep consistently betting. Yeah. When sometimes I wonder if I check. And there has been a couple times exactly. I did check and they just don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Right. Very seldom do that. Yep. So, but maybe and maybe it's a bet sizing thing too, because I'm, I'm typically I look at try to get half the pot in, half the pot in, and maybe a little less than half the pot at the rip, it, on the river if I have a hand. And try some crazy bet. Yeah, yeah. All in. Well, right, well, no, I mean I've done that before. I've had quads and I've just shipped like three times the pot because it just looks like you're just stealing and you get called. You're like, oh, oops! And they probably cut their pocket threes because they think you, you missed with your ace queen or something. You know. <laughs> You know, so it does work sometimes, but yeah. it's, it's it's tough. I mean, and even even some of those situations where you have the huge hand against huge hand, you feel like, man, if I would have bet more, I would have got paid. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, so it's like, for me, it's always a struggle. Like, what are the overriding principles about that? You know, what am I actually, you know, because the answer we have talked, joked about earlier, it depends, right? What should you do? Well, it depends. It depends. It always depends. But, like, what are those key principles? Is, is it primarily what type of player they are? Is it... Is it putting them on a right, the right hand range? Am I putting them on draws? Am I putting them on, you know, a big pair? I mean, what what sort of things sort of really motivate that? Is it my own table image? And I know the answer is yes, all of those things. But I'm not smart enough to be able to process everything at the table. Like, you know, if I have a big made hand, what should be those two or three things I'm really thinking about? Well, one of the things that, you know, when you're talking about individual people, I kind of get an idea. There's there's certain certain group of people out there and that are very much into this um, pot committed mm-hmm. thing, idea and so taking advantage of that and going okay what can I bet because they're gonna go no matter what they have they bet because they have so much into it already or the pots this size and you can take advantage of that you just come over you know a little bit and, and get that extra extra bet out of Especially them depending on you the know so, so certain you know mm-hmm. There's certain people that just seem like they're always looking at that, and they won't get away. And and I tried, I tried if if I don't think I have it, even if you only bet them in, if I'm gonna fall, <laughs> you know, if I if I think you got me beat. But there's a lot of people that are like, what? Why would you do that? There's so much in there. You, you have the chance. 
for me, it depends a little bit, too, on whether it's a cash game or a tournament. In a cash game, I'll try to just get whatever the optimal is, optimal amount of money is. You can make bigger bets, and I don't care whether I make that money this time or the next time I make the bet. You have your whole lifetime to average it out. For a tournament, I want a little less variance because I've got to get a little bit of value out of my hands for this tournament. If I make uh, double my chips up but don't manage to cash this tournament, it does me no good. So I want to be a little bit more consistent in tournaments, whereas I'm willing to take more risk mm. in uh, in a cash game. In other words, if I were to overbet the pot and I'm going to get paid off, so on average I'm going to earn more, I'll do that in a cash game. Whereas I would rather make sure I get some this tournament in yep, this particular... Put less at risk. Right, mm -hmm. right. <laughs> How do you guys feel about, I mean, you, you talked a little bit about having two pair in the river and that sort of thing, but like just the idea of value betting, sort of your your above average hands. Okay, so you've you got, you got king, queen, um, you know, the flops, king, jack, three, something like that. Forget about the position and all that stuff, but just in general, you know, and you, you bet and somebody calls, then it's a deuce, you know, you bet and somebody calls, you know, and then another, then a jack comes on the river or something. Or maybe that's not a great example, but this idea of like, all of a sudden you're scared that they were calling you with middle pair or something. You know, and I think it seems like the really good players that I've met will, will be able to figure that out and will like still bet the river for value. You know, because maybe they think they're up against nines or tens or something like that. I don't I don't know. But, like, I, I tend to get more scared of betting for value on the river in fear of being, you know, they, they check to you and I'm afraid of being check raised. Or, you know, I know it's, I know it's pretty standard for most people and for me too to I'll just check down medium hands. You know, if I have showdown value, a lot of times I'll just check mm -hmm. that down. But there are hands that I feel like are good enough where I could have gotten some more value from them. For one more bet, they would have paid that off. And I feel like I'm leaving value on the table in exchange for the fear of being re-raised or, or you know, being set up somehow. And I, Do you guys struggle with that at all? Or? I think that's the big difference between someone who's good at poker and someone who's average yeah. at poker is when... No offense they... taken. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm talking about the average player You're myself. Player. Yeah, I, I check down way more than I should, but yeah. it's those professional poker players that say, okay, you know, they're going to call me with worse. I should value bet here. Mm -hmm. And where I look at that, I go... Maybe I should just check back because... I've got they, showed on that. Yeah. Right. right. That's <laughs> what I do. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's knowing that line, and that's what I struggle with a lot is when do I bet for value, when do I bet as a bluff, and when do I mm -hmm. just check down because I'm in between their polarized range type stuff. Well, that's the thing that you mentioned range. I think you're looking at one specific card. Mm -hmm. You're thinking, well, if they got a jack, they're going to raise me. Right. I mean, I know right. I had a good chunk of their range. But right. Yeah. But you, instead of playing against their range, you're playing against that one card. The when fear of that one that card. The fear of that one card. Right. It's, it's when their whole range yeah. could, they could have tens, they oh, could yeah. have queens. No, you know, that's, that's could, the thing. I look at their range and I say I'm probably ahead. Yeah. But you're right. It, it is looking at the whole range, but then it's and the, the playing fear against factor that range. is that, that exactly. sliver of that. playing against one hand on that range. Well, it's the fear. I'm playing against the whole range. I want to bet against the whole range because I have value against the range. But then it's so offset then by that betting, fear of that so, narrowness of right. that range. So you should be betting against for the value I of know. the range 
But then they're so, oh, it includes a jack. But how sick is it when you get re-raised there, though? It just yeah. it's such but a sickening feeling. If, if you get is it though? <laughs> if you get re-raised and you're confident that they're that means they have it. Yeah. They've just given you all the information you need to make the right play, well, which is the yeah. fold. Which is the hero call. <laughs> <laughs> That's your problem. I love you. Afraid of the jack, and you'll make the hero call. I know. I know. That's where you need to look at it and say, okay, here's the person I'm playing against. If they raise me, what am right. I going to do? If the answer is if they raise me, I'm clearly going to fold. Then making a bet is not a dangerous thing. Do you think about that in advance? Like that when you know that's what I I know the great players think about that in advance. Like if I bet here and they raise me, I'm going to fold, or do you, are you more reactionary? Like um, I I do. So for me, I play against a player a uh, table of you know nine people, and I'll maybe have a good line on two of them. Mm-hmm. So with two of them, I'll be able to say yes. Here's what I want to do. The other uh, seven people are just sitting there blank faces, and they could be just random people, and I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Right. But, so sometimes I do. It really depends upon the zone. There is a huge, for me at least, a huge variance when I feel I am playing well versus when I'm just kind of going through the motions. Mm -hmm. So I think when I'm not playing well, I'm probably one of the worst players you've ever seen. (laughs) And when I'm playing at my best, I'm competent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm adequate. (laughs) Did you just describe me? (laughs) You describe everybody in this room. (laughs) (laughs) But the point about having a plan ahead, I watch a lot of Jason Somerville on Twitch. And he, you know, talks through his thought process when he's in a hand. And there will be points where he says something like that. He's on the river and he goes, well, if they raise on me here, I know I'm beat. And they'll raise on him and he'll still go into the tank and think about it. And he thinks about it well, though. Like, he will go through that process of, okay, what would this hand do? What would this hand do? I beat these hands. Would they do this? Mm-hmm. Would a miss flush draw really raise on me on the river? And you can see him go through that throttle thought process so i don't think it's having an immediate plan and always sticking to it but having a plan knowing what you're likely going to be doing and then still considering it on the river so i think there's got to be a little bit of balancing of there's no exact i have to do x if they do y yeah again all situational right you're looking for the size of the bed (laughs) physical tells and all that stuff i suppose how long did it take them to raise but I think I, I would I would feel less of a gut punch if I would think that through in advance. Mm-hmm. Like if I would think, okay, if I'm going to bet here and if he raises, I'm just going to fold. It wouldn't feel as bad because you know you. Can, I don't know for some reason you put the hard. bet out there. All of a sudden somebody you know makes a big bet on you. are Like, oh. you know? uh, also if you're if you're playing well and you're confident, then folding a hand when you know you're beat and you really know you're beat mm-hmm. doesn't feel that bad. What feels bad is folding a hand with right. and thinking, I wonder if I was beat. Yeah. For the next hour. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. And now you're in your D game. Right. Exactly. Now you're pulled off your game. You know, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting to hear. So Somerville on Twitch is, so is he like playing online and then? Yeah, he plays through PokerStars and then, you know, one, usually just one table at a time. He's on a delay so people can like see what cards he has, but. Okay. He'll talk through his hand. He so you playing tournaments or are you playing cash? Almost always tournaments. tournaments he does play some cash, game. though. So what about like... I mean, sometimes they call, too. I mean, <clears throat> yeah. All no. these people never right. make the right call, right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, you just got to feel good about 
what you did. And at least take the time to think about it. So many players, that if you're not thinking about a move, at least to a point, I mean, that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> you probably shouldn't right. be playing this game. <laughs> yeah. Well, because even that question, do I want to call, do I want to fold, like even on a river value bet sort of thing. Do I want to call? Do I want to fold? What am I? Why am I actually putting chips in here? You know, I think that's some people don't really think about that when they're they're betting bottom pair. <coughs> Checks to them on the river and they bet bottom pair. I don't even know what they're looking for. They don't want to call. Yeah. And anything worse than that's going to be a fold. You know, but you know, you you do it anyway. And that's <clears throat> kind of the river bet, like you were talking about, like like the bet sizing of that. Now I know I've I've been always much more. I just want to be consistent with everything I do, and I'm starting to go. Do I? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, I like the, I like the idea of it because it looks fishy, but I also like the idea of saying, okay, if I want somebody to fold, starting to ask, what's the minimum amount I can bet to get that fold so I'm not putting as much at risk? And if I want somebody to call, what's the maximum I can bet to get value? Right. And I think about a river bet like that, like what's my point of betting? If I'm betting it for value, really thinking that through and maybe going against my idea of being consistent – well, and saying, how, what can I get them to call? Do you really with? need to be consistent against the players that we play against normally? <laughs> That's a fair point. Because <laughs> most, most of them aren't paying attention to what your bet sizes are. They're just reacting to what they have it's in their hands. And it's their mm-hmm. bet, and should I call it or not? Mm-hmm. Or how many chips do I have? Or if you want them to call you, you hem and haw a little bit. <laughs> and then you bet. And then you got a better chance. Hollywood. Gonna... But most recreational poker players don't need to worry about being too consistent. Right. That's... I think that would, if you try and do that, I think that would be a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, concentrating too much on that, I think you should be concentrating mostly on what is the best play at this point. Um, I mean, if you start playing way more, then you probably should be balanced in what you're doing in different mm-hmm. situations. But I think to start off, most people just need to be thinking about what's the best decision in this spot. Because one of the things that gets, I mean, sicker than being check raised on the river, which is sick enough already, is feeling like I, so I'm telling you all I hate that, but I'm going to set you all up. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, when I feel like I wasted chips in that spot, like if consistently I want to bet two-thirds on the river. So let's say the pot's 10,000, I put in I put in 7,000 or 8,000 chips, and then I got re-raised for 60,000, I got a fold. And I think, did I really need to, I mean... What if I bet three thousand? You know, he's probably still going to re-raise me, and then I can get away from it, and I only spent three. You know what? If I'm bet, especially if I feel like I'm betting for value, like that king situation, I feel like I'm betting for value. I'm going to bet three, and I'm willing to fold if he re-raises. I don't know. I mean, because it, you know, if he just called me with king jack or whatever, king ten, and I'm ahead of him, I wanted to get the full eight thousand. But when I get re-raised and I just, what I really feel sick about is that I put an eight instead of, I probably could have put in three and gotten the same information. But I'm giving away value on those hands where I get called. And I don't really know, I mean, I'm sure there's a mathematical way to think about it, but I don't really know how to think about those spots. It depends a little on who you're playing with. I know there's one particular person I play with that I will make an underbet on the river and like 10% of the pot. And every single time that will result in a raise. And oh, just coming sweet. over the top, like repotting it. So if mm-hmm. I have a great hand, then it's obvious I make a really small bet. That's going to happen, and then I'll get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been happening for years, and it <laughs> has always worked. So You can't see John smiling really big over here. <laughs> It's one of the, you just have to know who you're going to play with. If if they're the type of person who's going to um, 
full or raise you no matter what you have, and then you can do that type of thing. You need to figure out how much value can you actually get out of this hand. I mean, there are some hands you cannot bet the river. If a hand is worth two streets of value, then decide where you want to get your two streets. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll check the turn to then evaluate and then get more value on the river. Mm -hmm. All right, so you're so now switching gears a little bit. So I'm sitting here, I'm in position with pocket sevens. You know, I, I raise preflop and I get two callers. The flop comes ace, ten, seven. Checks to me. What I mean, I know, I know it all depends. What are the suits? I know it all Tell depends. me the suits. I'd say just a rainbow board. Let's okay. just say it. But, you know, I, I raise with sevens. I hit my set. I have two callers preflop. And there's an ace, ace, ten on the board. You know, so you've got all the aces are in play. They hit. Tens are in play. They hit. King, queens, queen, jacks have gut shots. I mean, what just, just generally, like, you know, maybe those are the questions, but, like, what kind of questions okay, if you're the you pre, have? If you're the preflop raiser, do you always see bet? Me? Yes. What do you think? <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to reduce it down to about 80%. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, so why did you slow play this? Uh, well, that's my... No, you shouldn't. See, I would bet. I would that's bet. kind of what you're getting at. Is I would if have, I normally yes. continuation bet, exactly. why would I not? Continuation bet at that point. If, you're, if you don't, it's going to look fishy. Mm -hmm. well, particularly if you're the last to act. I mean, money doesn't get into the pot unless you put it in exactly. the pot. Right. Um, and at that point in time, you have a stranglehold, but there's also enough out there that people could have, you don't have a lock on the board. Other people no, could right. think I mean, they have less. Someone have could a, have ace-ten and have um, exactly. two pair. Yeah. And if you put money in right now, you have a good chance of completely getting their entire stack because two pair, top two pair is a huge hand. Right. Just not as good as bottom set. But of course, I'm you know I'm going to scare off all the, the pocket eights, the pocket ten or pocket you know jacks. No, yeah, but how much money are you really going to get from that? <laughs> the other pocket pairs are yeah. going to stick around for one bet. They're going to stick around for the continuation bet because they're going to say, "Well, he saw an ace, so he's just continuation bet." If you have I'm nines not, there, you're mm. staying in. Yeah. Oh, I'm gone. I'm out with of there. ace ten and a C bet, and you're gone. Yeah. The guy could be raising with king queen. He could be. So the point but is, but he also could be raising with ace king. Depends on how big queen. So you can either yeah. take the choice of I'm going to make the bet and lose the eights, or I can not make the bet, let them stay in the pot, mm -hmm. maybe get a hand that beats me. To jack show. And yeah. so that then they're putting money in. They're never going to give you money when you're ahead. So why keep them in the pot? Yeah, club catch up. Well, and beat you. Well, potentially. <laughs> yeah. Potentially. Well, no, if it, it the case of the pocket pairs, you know, pa pair of pocket nines in that yeah. case. That's a real problem. Yeah. Right, well, exactly. What really feels bad at that point is you check and everybody checks behind. Mm -hmm. And you feel like, oh, God, now yeah. I could really get in trouble. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, I thought about this when you sent out the topics in advance, and I completely agree with John. You have to bet out here because mm -hmm. the hands that are going to give you value the rest of the streets you want to start getting value from them now. You don't want to check and reevaluate on the turn and check and reevaluate on the river because then you're just losing out on value, I think. Sure, they could have Queen Jack here and go, yep, not this time, I'm not going to chase after my king. They could have pocket sixes and go, well, completely missed, I'm done. But those hands are done regardless. If you check, you're only giving them another card to, if they have Queen Jack, hit that king, and then now they got the stranglehold on you. And likewise with a six, maybe they bank a six, but then that's good for you. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, mm -hmm. it could go either way, but I think you just have to start getting value from those hands right away on that flop. Mm -hmm. um, so do you feel the same way if you're not the first 
or if you're not the last act and been checked to though i mean like well, if, like if i'm the first and there's two other people behind me and i get that three well it depends on that, if you expect them to bet or not right you know if you're the pre-flop raiser they expect you to come out betting they expect you no matter what the flop is they expect to see a bet from you because you're the pre-flop raiser so if that's the case then i'm going to make that bet now, if I just called somebody's pre-flop raise with my pocket sevens mm-hmm. and it hit my set, I'm going to check it to the to the raiser, yeah. expecting him <coughs> to bet, and then I'm just going to call that bet, okay. right? Because I want to keep him in. I don't want to raise him off the off the flop. I want to keep him in, and then I'm going to hope on the turn when I check that he bets again, and then I'll probably try to come over the top of him at that point in time and show my strength. So what's the difference there? Like if you're just calling him and, you know, the king or queen could still come and he could straight up, well, you know, yeah. he could be betting king, queen. Right, why? You can't. But in the first you case, you don't really want to take that risk. Oh, no, I'm just you, asking, like, in the first case, you don't really want to take that risk. And now you're saying. No, it's not that I'm willing take, to take the risk. I'm saying I want to put money in. I want to get money get in money the pot. pot. Okay. So I'm not the, worried about a king coming off and a so guy. So that's the driving jack, force right. is how do we get, how do we build the pot? Yeah. How do we build the pot? How do we get value for our value hand? I mean, we got, we got a set of sevens. So you're sort of, if I'm filling in the blanks, you're sort of looking at that. I've popped a set. If I go broke, I go broke. But how do no, I? Well, not necessarily. I mean, I'm. It's but you're trying depend. to build a pot. I'm trying to build a pot. Yeah. I'm not trying to go broke. Oh, I'm no, trying to get trying value. To I'm trying to get value. I'm not going to be afraid of somebody getting a gut shot on me, hitting a gutter on me. But if I do that, I wouldn't bet ever. I'd well, sit around and wait till the ripper. And, but know, look, flop, I got a big hand. Well, the flop we want to do. <laughs> no, if you're worried about that, wouldn't you bet big to get rid of them? No, before no, they hit no, the no. I'm not worried about a gutter. I'm hoping the guy has ace king or ace queen. So why don't you, know? you just re raise so with your sevens right then? Then well, you're on always not. Yeah. No. Because you're, you're, how many streets of value you're going to get with a set if he's got pocket yeah. kings? Yeah, ace king or something. If though. he's got ace queen, if yeah. he's got ace jack, how many? Streets of value are going to get from him. Yeah. If you show strength right off the bat, you know he could fold. I mean, there's hands that you could get value from later on on the second street that he would fold on the flop if you raise him mm-hmm. on, on the flop. You know what I'm saying? You could get two streets of value sure. yeah. instead of raising and only getting that one bet up. Well, it. I mean, there's a. It's kind of like a dance when you're playing poker, and in general. The whoever had control of the hand pre-flop is expected to take control post-flop. Mm-hmm. So that's where it comes in with you. If you had control of the hand pre-flop, you got to bet your sevens. You got to bet your set because otherwise it looks fishy. Mm-hmm. If you didn't have control of the hand pre-flop, it also looks fishy. If you're going to come out and bet, yeah, you're expected bet. Yeah. to check and then let them bet and call along. And I I like. Uh, your approach as well, come alive on the turn, make a raise there. Because the river bet, you're not going to get the speculation calls. You're not going to get any speculation money. You're only going to get money based upon exactly what they have. Whereas on the turn and the flop, those are your chance to get money based upon speculation. You know, they still have a draw out there. Get money right. where you're way ahead. Whereas the river, if they end up missing everything, it's really easy to fold. It's a lot harder. It's a lot easier for me people to make mistakes overestimating the value of the potential exactly. that are coming. Exactly. You're going to make money on the flop and you're going to make money on the turn. And the only time you're going to make money on the river is if they actually have a hand. Mm-hmm. So the only times you're, you, you have a better opportunity of making money on the flop and the turn with your set of sevens than you are on the river. 
Can I change one thing and sure. get your opinion? Say the flap is ace, ten, seven, but the ten and seven are suited. I still don't, play it the same. You don't raise there? No. On the flop? No. <clears throat> I think a raise there might, on the flap, Why? get some value. Maybe he's on a flush draw, maybe he maybe. puts you on a flush draw. Maybe. I think it adds to more me, possibilities. It would depend upon how many people are in the hand. Yeah. Um, if it's heads up, I'd probably be inclined to just call. Mm -hmm. But if there are like four people in the hand yeah. with a flush draw on the board, then I'm going to want to thin the field. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. That's a good good call. So if it's, it's heads up, I'm thinking heads up. Okay. I was thinking There's like no three-handed. I thought you said call and call originally. But yeah, but it, maybe uh, we'll go back to the tape later and listen. But even heads up, though, would you still raise because it looks like, Potentially. A, flush, it looks like a flush draw? Potentially. I mean, if it, it depends on the opponent. If yeah. the opponent tags you as an aggressive player, I think a raise there is great. Because then it looks like, okay, he's trying to get me out. He's got some sort of drawing hand. And you're just dreaming they'll come back over the top. And, yeah. Yeah. But then again, that person has to have some sort of value hand to begin with. Yeah. And he might not. and Potentially. But if he doesn't have some sort of value hand, and well, you're not going to be able to get value from him on the flop with a raise, are you going to be able to get value from him on the turn or on the river? If he's still drawing, you are. And that's what I think that was John's point. If he's drawing to something on the turn, he's still drawing. And he, he could be saying, well, I'm going to call this because I still have an op opportunity to hit that gutter or hit that flush or whatever it is, mm -hmm. and you're going to get extract more value. And that's what we're talking about. How do you get the most value out of your hands that you can? Occasionally, they're going to hit, yeah. and you're going to lose the hand. No, of course. But if you bet them off the hand on the flop and don't get any more money out of them, you're going to sit back and say, God, I could have got it. I might have yeah, could have got some more value. It's going to depend on where you're at in the right. tournament too. I mean, yeah. you know, how big are the blinds? And yeah. everything. Mm -hmm. How deep stacked right. is everyone? I mean, same exact right. thing happened right. to what you're talking about yesterday. Yesterday to me, and you know, if I would, he 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 bet, I raised, all in, and he called. You had a set, or I had a set. Okay, I flopped a set. He had ace king of clubs. There was two small clubs on, and. Luckily, a four came, you know, I, I paired up, and then he hit his flush. On the <laughs> but it, it, at that point, there's no other way to do that because the blinds were so big, right. you know, where it's, you know, halfway through the tournament. Yeah, that's very, that's, yeah. So, so it really depends on where you're at in the tournament. But say more, about that than, say, say more about that then. So, like, because you were shorter stack, you flop a set, he bets, you felt like, let's just end yeah, this he, year or get paid off here? Yeah, well, the blinds were pretty big. Right. Yeah, are you really doing that for like, value or but like, like yeah, what's, eighteen and he had like a little bit more than me. Were you doing that to push him off or to hopefully I mean or he, he well we What what was the ship in. for? Were you intending to get him to fold or intending him to call or Yeah, I wanted him to fold. I, okay, because of clubs. I, so you're not <laughs> because you're because every chip is so valuable at that point. Yeah, at that right. point. You know, and that's just a, a qualifier. Right. So, but yeah. that's a different situation because now we're you're not actually going for value. You're going to try to get him off the hand, right. so he doesn't suck out for, on you. At least make him pay for the draw. Right, make him pay for the draw. Right, you're not actually at going for value, so that's that, that is a little bit different situation. Right. So do you think in that exact same situation? I mean, if you can construct that in your mind, early in the tournament where you each have a hundred big blinds, oh, you would play you, totally you would call or would you still call. raise there? I would have just called. So you would let right. him because you're looking for the implied odds. Just let him keep coming. You don't want to scare him off. But later in the tournament. When it's your life on yeah, the line. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, yep. it depends on what you consider value in the hand at the time, yep. right? 
But at the end, you're in survival mode. <laughs> yeah, right? It's, it's, you're just trying to survive this hand and this. Okay. And the hardest hand to see is going to be your trips. And yeah. So you can pretty much see everything else on the board, but you're, the hardest part is seeing those trips and yeah. identifying it as far as somebody's betting and so on. But Yep. And that could easily look like you're shoving a flush draw. There exactly. Too. Yep. Yeah. Can I twist the situation yeah, one more twist, time? Twist away. Right. So we have our ace, 10, 7 board. The 10 and 7 are suited. Um, <laughs> Rob and I are in the hand. He just called. He didn't raise me. But then the turn comes out, and it's another suit connecting with that 10 and 7. Now, how do you feel about things? I feel fine. You feel fine? <laughs> yeah. I feel happy. I feel fine. I still okay. got a set of 7s. Okay. Until my bet gets raised. Yeah. And then I'm I'm checking, (laughs) hoping you bet. And I bet. And then I raise. Then you raise there? Yeah. Okay. I raise. That's bold. What's your thinking there? Do you want to fold or do you want to call? No, I want him to call. Because you're just not afraid of it. Or you know the flush is in the range, but you Yeah, there's a flush in the range, there's a straight in the range. All that stuff is in his range, obviously, but that doesn't mean he has it. So you're you're very against the range. Against the range, I'm still way ahead. But so you're always thinking like that. You're always thinking I'm betting against the range. Yes, the flush, and you're okay. Yes, right. the flush is in the range. Yep. But yep. against the broad scope of, there are things in his range that aren't a flush that will Correct. call you. There are things in his range that are not a flush that are going to call me. A flush draw, a straight draw is still going to call me on the turn. Okay. Because See, I, they have potential in the range. I'm less inclined to raise there. The yeah. reason being is the fact that there's a flush on board. If he doesn't have the flush, He's less likely to give me money when I'm ahead. Mm-hmm. So he's if he has the flush, he's always putting money in the pot. If he doesn't have the flush, the fact that the board is now three flushed means that I'm not going to get as much value from that hand because he's going to be scared of that board as well. Or she. I mm-hmm. should. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but my opponent's going to be just as scared of the board as I am. So I would be less inclined to do the razor. Not because I'm afraid of the flush per se, but just because I don't think I'm getting as much value well, from that hands case, that I beat. Are you going to get any value on a river anyway? I think you'll get some value on the river. You know what so I'm saying? Probably. Say I had yeah. ace-king in that well, or not ace-king. It depends on who has the lead here. So we were talking <coughs> right. about the, the case. So your head's up. In the heads-up pot, I'm not going to fold. I'm not afraid of the flush. But um, I, do, I do think it destroys a lot of the value that I have. Mm-hmm. Which is why, you know, like when you have a set, you never want to check the flop because even if the turn doesn't make his hand any better or your hand any better, often it makes the board scarier, which means people are less likely to put money into the pot. So your value hand isn't going to get as much value anymore. Yeah, I think you lose some of the hands that call you that you beat that you get value from. Right. Well, like and, two pair hands, and it depends on the on the dynamic of whether you're the first act yeah. or the second act, yeah, or absolutely. if you were the pre-flop raiser or the other person was a pre-flop raiser. <laughs> that dynamic makes that decision for you. Right. right. If if I if I was the raiser on the flop, the board flushes on the turn. Um, I'm going to still make the bet. Yes. I'm not going to Correct. check there. Correct. Um, but if they make the bet, I'm probably not going to do the check raise. Well, if 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 you had position on them, if they make the bet, you're still going to make the call. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. You're still going to make folded. the call. Mm-hmm. I'm talking a situation where they're the aggressor. I've got the sevens. Yep. The third heart comes. I check. They bet. I raise. Because I'm representing a set or the flush. 
Now, if they happen to have the flush, they're going to come along, and I'm going to find out right right then. And if they don't have the flush, they're going to be scared, and I'm not going to get another bet on the river anyway. So the only time I'm going to get any more value out of my set is on that turn. Well, except the case, how many times are they going to, you check raise them, they fold the turn, now the river comes. If you're out of position, you probably leave the river to make sure you get some value there. And then you, they might reluctantly call the river. So you are getting that river call. Yes. Yeah, you that could. You, you versus could. Yeah. just shutting them out completely on the turn. Now, you're not also not giving them a chance so, to so get the hand to beat you. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. They could have another heart, and all, all they had to have, I mean, if you don't have a heart in your hand. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hmm. All right, so switching gears again. Um, we're, we're almost out of time, but, like, let's, I, I want, I'm interested in this one, too. Okay, you get to see us. You're in the big blind. You get to see for free because we play these tournaments where seven people limp. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. and we have six, we have six, four off or some junky hand like that, so we just check and whatever. And the flop comes, you know, six, six, four. What do you, do you just slow play that all the way to death? Like all the way down? I mean, general terms, I know it depends. There's a, t- a lot of action, different things that can happen. But in general, do you ever lead out at that, or you just? No, if I'm in the one of the blinds and I hit that, I mean, certainly not right away. You you just yeah, check. But I, I mean, check. Yeah. throughout the course of the hand, I mean, it, it feels like you just let people keep betting. But obviously, the more value you can get, unless everybody checked it down the first time around, then you yeah. want to bet something yeah. small, <laughs> something that hopefully gets somebody to go. Right. So you maybe lead out it right away. On the, no, not right or, away, but definitely. For me, it depends yeah. upon the position I'm in. Mean, your big if blind. If I'm last to act, your big blind. Your big blind. So I'm blind. Your big blind. So you're, soon there's you know like people behind you. Because you, you right. just yeah. saw the flop for free because yeah. you're in a big yeah. blind. Yeah. yeah, you got to check it down and do your. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then I think. I yeah. <laughs> but as soon as somebody bets and you call, it just looks so yeah. fishy. Like you clearly have a six or something. Not really. No, you could have three, five, five. There's so many people watching. You could have just four. You could have ace king, big blind, sure. Yeah, but didn't raise a big blind. I would have raised. Yeah, true. But yeah, you got a margin on like Jack. Yeah, you just have a margin on hand. You're just calling four. Not believing anybody else has a hand because nobody raised pre-flop. So what am I worried about on a six-four-three flop? But that's just some of those some of those spots where you know. Let's just say you know somebody calls and or somebody bets and somebody calls and it comes around to you. I am torn quite a bit between do I just raise here and make it because if I feel like I call it just looks like I have a six. Maybe that's because that's what I how I view other people. What about the other guy that called? What does he got? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Does Somebody he bet, have another guy called. But I mean, he might have like sevens or something. That's well, where I'm like, should I, should I be betting here? To, you don't want to get rid of him. Well, but he, would he go away with sevens? No. So my call looks more fishy than if I, what if I just bet at it? I mean, what if, what if I just lead out even right away, making it look like I have eight four? I hit a four and I think, oh, that's probably good. I, I don't know. Well, Against seven people? I don't know. No, I think you got to check it down. You got to check that. You just slow play all the way down pretty much. Down. I mean, if you were in a different position towards the end, or right. at the end, of right. course you make some sort of bet to try. In to the end, it. I don't think it matters much. That's not the type of hand that you're going to make your money on. Right? No. No. I, I mean, two cards change the texture of the board. But you want, you know, you're waiting for a king or something to come on the board on the turn. Yeah. Yeah. That, but that and that hand is a lot easier to play than the last hand we talked about. Oh no! No, I know <laughs> it is. Well, is it? But if if the but if the the question is how do we optimize value, I think right. it's. Almost as tricky of a hand, or at least I've struggled with it, because I always, I always feel like I've left value on the table in those hands. 
mean, I go on to win the hand, but I always well, think, how could I have extracted more? I never more? feel bad about that. No, I wouldn't. Well, 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 I don't feel bad because I want a pot, but I always feel like there probably was more I could have got out of this solo. I don't know. That's what you're going to sell everybody off. Yeah, exactly. That's something I never think about. I always think about Somebody else has to have some sort of value for you to get value from them. Right. But so and in this situation, everybody everybody limped, so nobody is showing anything. Mm-hmm. And one guy bet, another guy, you know, called on the flop. What are you What are you going to get out of them? If you raise now, they're going to they're both going to fold because they're speculating. Mm-hmm. They're both going to fall. This guy you must should have get more money by checking. Yeah, exactly. Somebody. But to me, a call one of those seven. Checking and a call, and then. <laughs> Maybe come alive on the turn if you're afraid that they're just going to check it down on the turn. Yeah. You maybe put a throw bet on a turn, make it look kind of fishy, and they're going to say, "Well, oh, you didn't have anything. I'm going to call." Yeah, I just think the call, yeah, the call and flop looks so strong out of that yeah. big blind that I check call with a six six four flop. I mean, maybe I, I know. That's, what about my perception could be wrong? I just like that. Was, like, what okay, about this guy's went out there though? I, my first reaction is, "Well, you're a big blind, and you just you got a six. Well, right, I'd and everybody shuts down anyway. Exactly. If you came out but betting, you, you don't want to do that. But the pot, if you wait and let someone, someone's going to raise. Maybe. Someone's going to bet. But yeah. I feel like bad. someone's going to bet. Yeah. yeah. Out of seven people. And yeah. if you there's call, always maybe you just have it four. You right, know, but well, some. maybe. I don't know, but I would probably have, or two have five. But I feel like if I lead out, right. it makes it or look yeah, like I've got a four. Because like, people are going to be like, well, why would he ever bet a six there? Well, maybe had an ace six. Or you wait yeah, until yeah, the, there's a straight yeah. or a flush on the board and leave then. Yeah. Then exactly. it looks like you have that and someone else who so you're letting them catch up the straight or flush. Right. I don't know. My thought was raise. If it raises the flop on, on the flop. Yeah. Because what hands are you going to get value from? You can take out a lot of over pairs from their range. I mean, they're not going to have that if they're because they raise flop. Free flop. Yeah. But there are a lot of weird hands that people. Would limp with that kind of connect with this one. Eight seven, kind seven of eight suited, a yeah. six. I think it's a big one that it is possible, and we mm-hmm. would get a lot of value from a six. People on five three. Yeah, yeah. five yep. three. Yeah. You know, ace four. Yeah, yeah, yeah things like that. Those. I mean, yeah, but I think somebody's gonna bet them for you. Right. Why, so why, why would you bet? Why would you do the bet? Yeah. You got because value it. now from it. No, but they're gonna bet. So, so but you're still gonna get the same value if you wait and so he hits a six. If they have a six, there's one case six out left on the board. And likely, if they weren't in the blind, they have to have an ace with it. That makes only four combinations of that hand. There aren't very many combinations that you're going to get value from there. If you wait a little bit and wait for someone to get a straight or a flush, um, <coughs> then you can get their whole stack. Yeah, you're maximizing yeah. their whole stack now. So you're playing, just, the, you're playing the implied odds at that point. Well, well yeah, I, I mean, can get anyone's whole it's stack a limped, here. It's a limped mm-hmm. pot. You're not going to get a lot of money most of the time. Yeah. But if you... Now, this goes against the variance thing I was talking about earlier. <laughs> because most of the time, you're not going to get much of anything. But on those one rare, perfect situations, you can get someone's stack yeah. with almost no risk. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I was looking for in the raise. It weird as it sounds, but I don't think with the limped pot pre-flop, it's just a small pot to begin with. Then if we don't try and increase it, it's always going to stay small for the rest of the streets. My thought was, let's bump up the size of the pot so that on future streets we're able to get more value out of it. If they do have one of those hands that's going to stay around. 
you raise small I'm not saying I'm going to overbet here, but if it's, you know, they come out with a two and a half big blind bet and then it's a call, maybe I go to seven. Seven big blinds, six big blinds, something like that, you know, that's going to keep them in, but also is inflating that size of the pot. Yeah, I don't think I'd play it that way. <laughs> I, I it's just, a weird hand. I, I would just call and and watch what happens on yeah, the on the turn for sure. Yeah. And if and I might not get any value on the turn, but then I'm going to come out on the river and hope that somebody caught something mm-hmm. and hope they raise me on the river and then jam, right? Because it's that it's that kind of hand where you're like John said, you're you're most of the time you're going to get nothing. Yeah, I think that's so what the only, most of the time, right? So you hope if you get a guy that limp with queens. Right, and exactly. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. The under-the-gun exactly. the under the guy. Exactly. Right. Limp with aces and yeah. kings. The under-the-gun yep. guy yeah. who expected yes. her to be a raise. Good yeah. situation. Well, remember, you're picking up seven um, limpers, too. So right. there's you, a You do have some value there. So Well, there's some yeah. people that could have hands that have value, but they haven't made that value. Oh, they yeah. haven't made the maximum value right. yet. So you could blow them off of that, and in, in, if you blow them off of that, and don't allow them to hit their flush or their straight, which you have crushed, you're losing out on that potential value that you would have had. But I, I don't think they're folding as much of their range mm-hmm. as you're kind of implying. I they're not going to stay well. They're going to say, "Oh, that guy's got a six. I'm out here." But if you lead out, see, that's where I, that's where I wonder what? leading out because who leads out a six? You know, it looks like I have a four, or it looks like I have pocket threes or pocket twos. I mean, if somebody, if somebody, if I was playing against somebody and that flop came and the big blind let out, I would never put them on a six, because of all the reasons you're just saying. Yeah. So my king queen, I might say, well, let's just see what happens on the turn, or you know, that's that's where you can build a pot. So I, I get, I totally get, you don't want to push people off of stuff, but you also disguise your you hand a little bit better. Hand a lot more if you check. I mean, if yep. you check, see, I think you disguise yeah. it more if you bet. Oh. Mm, I don't. <laughs> this is I, I mean, I mean, you don't get in those situations very often, but no. every time I have been and it's made it to the river, people are like, wow, I had no idea you had that. And I've done the same thing. Yeah. People, I had no yeah. idea you had that. Yeah. I just want to have it be that it's just, yeah, and I'm collecting, you know, the check down pot, you know, or there's one bed in there. It just doesn't add up to much usually. Yeah. And maybe that's just what it is. Yeah, what it is, you just want a monster. You don't get paid. But every now and then, it's yeah. If you check it though, you're gonna, crazy. You're gonna get a bet from somebody that has that king queen. Yeah. Because they're gonna say, well, no, everybody must have missed. Right. This. You get so one bet, and then when you call, yeah. It's but like, if you bet, you might not get any anything out of it. Maybe, but I'm I, just saying. Yeah. No, I don't. I know that this is the argument. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. the it depends. Yeah. It's a balance. So yeah. Do I do I, I just slow play for the off chance that somebody gets that flusher street, or do I try to get? You know, do I get more regular value that's smaller, or do I do the implied odds thing and get no what, value, and then once in a while I get the stack? What John said made a lot of sense because the first time ever. Really? <laughs> no, no, it's recorded. He's talking about he's talking about getting the maximum value from yeah. that hand, and how do you do that? You allow somebody else to make a big hand, mm-hmm. and if you blow them off by betting out you're gonna some people are gonna fold that stuff because they're just tight anyway yeah. they're really tight but they might stay in for one bet if somebody else bets you just call along you right. know, just limping along just having some fun everybody's a family pot we're having a good time here let's see mm-hmm. what the cards come out and then jam on them on the river and they got a big hand they're coming along but if you if you get 
frisky right away. You're going to blow everybody away, and you're not going to have that opportunity. And you're not going to make a big hand. I think more times than not, anyway. Exactly. <laughs> Taylor did make a, a good point, though, mm-hmm. in that... Check one for me, too. Oh. <laughs> well, so, okay, let's say there's we have seven limpers in the pot, so there's seven big blinds in there. We check it all the way down to the river. Now someone has made whatever they've made. Um, if you're in early position, you almost have to bet because you right, can't you expect someone's going to do it. You're going to bet pot, seven big blinds. You win seven more big blinds out of the hand. Now let's say you come out and you choose to check the flop. Turn comes around, no one bets, so you just throw a bet out there. One big blind. Now you get four four more callers. Mm-hmm. Now you've got 11 big blinds in the pot. Well, the, now on the river. Oh, I bet out on the on turn. The turn you yeah, if it checks around, I bet out on the turn every, every time. On the flop. Yeah. On the flop. Yeah. On the turn, you've got it. We are, yes. Right? Yeah, okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because otherwise, yeah. everybody's probably going to check You have to have some yeah, money in there so that there's money to win for them to call when you make your bet. When they make their hand. Yeah, but I, I check the flop, but if it checks around, I definitely bet the turn. There's no doubt about it. You need to try to get some money in the pot. Can I go back to one of the very first points that John made today when he was talking about how do we get value? And he said his approach differs between cash games and tournaments. Mm-hmm. Cash games, he's willing to go for that higher expected value, but higher variance play. In tournaments, you might be willing to go for the lower expected value, lower variance. Would you consider a raise on the flop there to be in that cash game type mentality where it may be higher variance because they're more likely to fold, but also you're getting more value out of your hand? It really depends. The <clears throat> It depends upon who you're playing with, but a lot of times in cash games, if the situation doesn't look good to people, they'll just fold and move along mm-hmm. because there's... In a tournament, when you've invested chips on there, there's a lot more like emotional baggage tied to that because those chips are your life's blood. You know, you can always reach into your money, your pocket and pull out more cash and keep playing a cash game. But in a tournament, those chips have a lot more value. So um, I think if you were to raise in a cash game situation, you'd be more likely to get people to fold because, you know... That board can't be that good for them. Uh, and if they do happen to get something good, you might have something better. Whereas in a tournament, if they think there's a chance that they're going to be able to get those chips in the end, I don't know. I've seen people make a lot more weird plays in tournaments than I have in cash games. Fair enough. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Total opposite. <laughs> Well, any uh, any final comments, or we'll wrap up. Any other points you want to make? I had one other question about. I don't know how fast we can tack it. Fine. I, we know the answer is it depends, but what's the <laughs> thought of how to maximize um, when you're chasing your straights and flushes? Do you mm-hmm. try to get money in early so when you hit, you get you get paid off, or if you're always doing that in the long run, does that really pay off because of the amount of time you hit, or do you take a free card if you can get it? What when would it matter and how? You've stumped or, 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 or are you trying try are you trying to bet so that pot, small, so you don't even have to make the straight or flush and you actually get the pot before you you didn't have to but make that, it because you might not make it a lot of times. Too. Yeah. Right. I mean you're only gonna make it. Whatever. There's but a couple scenarios I think that happen here. What yeah, uh, pre on the flop, 
you hit your open-ended straight draw, whatever. You got open-ended straight draw. A lot of times, if there's a number of people in the pot, I might raise right then and there to thin the field a little bit. And by raising, if I'm in position, I'm going to get everybody checking to me, and now I can get a free turn card. Mm -hmm. Two for one. So that's a, a kind of a, you know, you throw an extra bet out there just to get that. Why do you want to thin the Well, I, I, well mm -hmm. not thin the field necessarily, but um, take out the pe people that are going to pay you off in the river are going to have a value hand, right? So if you put that raise in right now, you're getting more money into the pot, and you're allowing yourself to potentially get a free turn card if you don't hit the turn, or a free river card if you don't hit the turn. Right? So does that mean you bet smaller because you want you want to build the pot but keep people in? I want to build the pot and yeah, I would keep people. Um, the only people I'm keeping in are people I have value to start with, right? Yeah. So that's the people I want in because mm -hmm. those are the ones I'm going to get money out of. So I'm not going to necessarily. I don't want. I don't want to have to face a turn bet. A big turn bet when I'm sitting there with my draw. draw because now do I have the odds to call that turn bet whereas I'm doing two things here I'm actually I'm not I'm putting more money into the pot potentially but I'm also potentially winning that right then and there as a, you know yeah. now you're kind of it's a semi bluff right? well that's how I think yeah. about it like if, if I'm gonna bet my draws I'm thinking well now I got two two ways to win I mean right you've got fold equity yep so you can yep. win the, the hand that way you can also win if it hits yep but but you're building a bigger pot with jack high. <laughs> Potentially. Or, <laughs> I mean, or you're winning the pot right then and there. Right. No, I know. Yeah. Which is not, you know, you're not maximizing value because you really don't have value yet. You you have equity, but you don't have value yet. So in that type, you're doing a semi-bluff by raising yeah. the So raising in general, in general you know, betting draws versus taking free cards, yeah, what's the most profitable? The, well, if you look at it, I mean, from a mathematical point of view, if you have the right number of callers, it doesn't matter. So let, let's say your uh, your draw is five to one to hit. If you have five callers in the pot, you can bet all day You're long, and it doesn't change right. your value in the end. In general, you're not going to get the right number of callers. So the only reasonable reason to bet is because either you're very sure they will call you when when it does come in, so you can realize your equity later. Or you think they're going to fold, mm -hmm. and there's enough of percentage of the time that they fold, and you get more money when you do hit it, that it makes you value in the long term. So you're saying you would raise the flop also? If I think there's a, a decent chance that I have fold equity there, mm -hmm. I would. Yeah. If I think there's no fold equity, I wouldn't. I think the number one factor here for me is stack size. If I'm deep stacked, mm -hmm. I'm more likely to call and try and hit my card. If I'm shorter stacked, I'm more likely to raise and try and get it all in there, realize my equity right there. Um, well, if I'm less than twenty, I'm gonna I'm gonna jam all day long. Yeah. There, but if I if I'm deep stacked, that's when I'm gonna raise to try to just take it down right then. Because if I'm if I'm in that twenty to thirty range, I'm not I'm gonna that's when I want the free card. Because yeah. I don't have enough Maybe I don't it's have kind enough, of like a Yeah, I don't have enough chips to, to start messing around and playing around if somebody calls back on me. You know, if I raise and somebody calls back and all of a sudden I gotta hit now because yeah. I'm I'm really wasting a bunch of chips. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I got a hundred big blinds, it's now I'm gonna raise Try to take it down right now, and if I don't, I've I've still got a lot of equity. 
And I got a lot of chips. Mm-hmm. So. So your answer is? What did you take out of that? Now what are you going to do what, next time? Yeah. Yeah. What did you take out of that? Did you did that help? Was that help? What did you take out of that? I'll have to process it some more. Yeah. I, I think a lot will depend on, you know, if I'm at a position where I try to think ahead like we were talking about. What if he comes back over the top of me now? If I just got a fold there, then I might <clears throat> have to consider that player. Or if I know the guy's played with him eight tournaments, right. he never comes over the top. Well, then you're more likely to do some, right. something. Or and there's something to that, too. I mean, if people know you always bet your draws, that's predictable. They might, yep. you might be subject to re-raise then. But if you've, you're playing with people you don't know and you've been showing down big made hands, and you bet, I mean, you, your fold equity goes up, yep. depending on the type of player you're against, too. So you can maybe get away with betting your draws a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, are you against people that like to re-raise? That's a question when I'm, again, when I'm playing well, I'm thinking about that. Like, who at this table is just waiting to re-raise me? You know, so when you bet your draw and then they ship on you, you're like, well, <laughs> besides, besides <laughs> Rob. <laughs> no, I mean, there's, I mean, that is where the depends comes in. But I think it's a cool question, sort of long-term yep. betting draws versus taking free cards. What what pays off more? Yeah. Also depends what, what, where you are in a tournament, too. Are you willing to give up those chips to, to bet? Yeah. You know, are, are you, you know, writing about cuss of the bubble or are you, right? Yeah. So, is it a good investment yeah, in the yeah, grand scheme of the tournament? Game. Exactly. So, right. Whether it's money or a tournament, are you willing to risk that? Mm-hmm. Well, good. Well, let's uh, wrap up unless any other questions or comments, last words. All right. Thanks, everybody. All right, well, thanks, everybody, for joining us again for the Rec Poker Podcast. Uh, next week, uh, we're going to be hearing from World Series of Poker bracelet winner John Redding as he shares a little bit about his story and some of his big scores, and we talk a little bit of strategy as well. So join in next week. As always, you can find us on Facebook. We've got a group called Rec Poker, and also Twitter, follow at Rec Poker uh, to stay current on all that we are talking about And if you didn't catch it, we are doing a virtual book study on Jonathan Little's book on tournament poker, volume one. So if you want details on that, let me know. Uh, We'd love to have more people involved in that thing. We're going to be doing a virtual book club. I'll be recording some things. And then eventually we will release that into uh, the Rec Poker podcast once the entire book study is done. We'll do it over several weeks. And you can certainly listen in then. So with that, feel free to reach out if you have any questions, comments, concern, or feedback. Take care.